Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about closets. bit of a silly episode and that's on purpose because (laughs) last week we recorded a rather heavy episode on change and we are still recovering from processing change. So Mm -hmm. we're like, let's go a little lighter this week and do something that's a little bit more humorous, a little lighter in focus, but I'm sure we'll probably find some demons Hopefully not literally in our closets because that's one of my things, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Setting you up. That's that's the dangling the carrot there so people stay Mm -hmm. for the episode. I suppose in effect, we're looking for a change from our change episode, but I think that's part of the fun of the podcast in general is that we can do all kinds of things with this. It's just really a beautiful gift to be anxious about so many different things. (laughs) gift I might like to return. That's true. But not really, actually. It's just so much a part of my personality and how I relate to the world that I don't even view it as a illness or a disability anymore or like mental disorder, not disability. I just kind of view it as like, well, this is who I am and that's (laughs) just it. Yeah, I understand that. I think there's a lot of quirks that I have that I you know, the truth is like, it depends on the day, right? I mean, there's some days you wake up and you're like, this would be a much easier day if I wasn't in anxiety paralysis. But I think, sorry if you can hear my cat in the background, he shares this this office with me. But uh, anyways, I think there are some days where I'm like, yeah, I could do without this. But I totally understand what you mean by the understanding that like some of these things have been, you know, it's not like a new thing, right? It's like something that you've been dealing with or contending with for many a year now. And it's hard to really separate it from your identity, Mm -hmm. which is why it's kind of fun to laugh at this stuff too, because as much as last episode was about the difficulty of experiencing and going through change, I think this episode is easier to poke fun at some of the the absurdity of it all. But we always have a tendency of finding the deep in the shallow. So I'm sure we'll get there. So before we get there, everybody who listened to more than one episode will know that we always do a check-in at the start of the episode that's related to the episode. And this week, I want to ask you, Allison, on a scale of one to opening your closet door only to have everything come tumbling down on your head, (laughs) where are you at? With 10, of course, being send help. That situation. Yeah. Send out an avalanche team. (laughs) I'm all right. I guess I'm like a three or a four. Uh, the last couple of days haven't been particularly kind to me in that basically I had a huge wrench thrown in my business plan. One of my biggest income streams and earners decided to just totally screw us out of nowhere. Talking about the, of course, wonderfully ethical and absolutely wonderful company Airbnb. Mm -hmm, So they mm -hmm. basically took advantage of vloggers, used us to prop us up over the course of their IPO launch and to get us through the pandemic, and then unilaterally Mm -hmm. decided to just stop paying us as of one month from today when we've created content for free 
for them promoting their properties for the past year. Mm -hmm. And so it just made me quite angry that a lot of work I've done over the last year feels very useless, feel very irritated to be at the mercy of large corporations, even though I feel I Mm -hmm. thought that I was getting out of that by becoming an entrepreneur, but apparently not. And just kind of anger in general Mm -hmm. at like the unfairness of just like these big guys who just think they can do whatever they want and it doesn't matter. So I'm just kind of feeling anxious about not really knowing the next step to take with my business because I was like pretty sure that I was doing good work with that. It was showing promise in terms of uh, offering me stability and, you know, a global pandemic. Airbnbs were one of the few travel options that were performing well because it was you know, a safe place where people could socially distance and do those sorts of things while still getting a break from their own set of walls slash home prison. And yeah, it's just frustrating, you know, when you're, when there are changes that you can't control going back to last week's episode. And so just mostly pissed, but a little bit of a current of anxiety Mm -hmm. under the pissed because For those who didn't listen to the last week's episode, I just moved back to the States, which means my cost of living just Jillian tuppled compared to Sophia. uh, I was going to say, I was thinking about Jillian tuppled. Yeah. 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 I was like, quintupled doesn't feel right. Jillian tuppled kind of feels more emotionally resonant at least. And so it also sounds like the title of the the next major children's novel (laughs) to really hit the charts. (laughs) Yes, of course. It would be like almost like an Amelia Bedelia thing where her actual name is Jillian and then her last name is Tuffle. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that would be Uh great idea for any of you children's book authors who are feeling a little bit uh, uncreative and just want to steal our idea. Go for it. (laughs) I have no, no hopes of ever touching that. Um, anyway, so just feeling a little bit anxious because of that and kind of like, oh, what's next? I need to figure out how to make a living and what my next steps are in my life. So it was a bit of a wrench to get thrown at me this week. What about you, Chris? How are you doing with your pile of closet filth? I couldn't remember (laughs) the scale, so I just kind of made it up myself. (laughs) It was was a nice sort of way to get around that. I I appreciated that. So how am I doing? You know, I think I'm doing fine. I'm kind of in one of those phases where I I have a million different things to do. And I kind of, I don't feel like I I can accomplish enough in any one day. But actually, instead of trying to speed things up and do a million things poorly, I'm just trying to take the time to focus on each task and do it the right way. Instead of like taking a shorter panicked lunch, that's like 45 minutes and like, blah, you know, um, I'm trying to actually take a little bit of a longer lunch and see if that serves me better because I'll be a little bit calmer, more focused in the afternoon. So I'm just trying out different things. So European of you, Chris. Isn't it? Yeah. So (laughs) during lunch, I like, I make lunch and eat lunch, shockingly, very lunchtime activities. But then I'll always do some stretching and meditation and and take a shower after that. And then so it's like this big thing. And I kind of feel like it's been helpful. I've been like, I meditate for 10 minutes instead of five minutes. So actually, the more rushed and panicked I've felt, the more I've tried to actually make sure that process uh, at lunchtime is is actually relaxing. And I think it's actually paying dividends. So it's this, I guess this, I'm playing with the idea right now of like, during times of intense stress, when I should be feeling frantic, like, trying my best to 
do the opposite of what I would do during that phase. So instead of taking a 14 minute lunch where I go back to my desk and my brain's fried by 5 p.m., I'm trying to put things in place so that I'm actually have a bit more longevity. And um, we are recording this later than usual, recording this at 5 p.m., which is usually, you know, if I wasn't taking the time to deal with my day that way, like I would be a mess right now. I wouldn't be functional to be able to record this. So I think this just probably speaks again to the way in which like while I'm stuck at home and definitely in fishbowl life, I'm just trying out different things to see how I react and kind of playing a little bit of just getting experimental in some way to see how different things are affecting me before pace picks back up and I, you know, go back into another current right now. I kind of have the opportunity to create my own current. So we managed to both mention currents, which is a good start. I think that- um, Did I? I think you mentioned a current. And if not, I blame the fact that it's 5 p.m. So- okay. All right. It, I very well could have. I'm still jet lagged. Okay. No. Oh, okay. We so were we both recording have these episodes. Yeah. We're recording these episodes this week and last week's about two days apart because right. I was traveling. So we kind of mm-hmm. messed up our schedules. So- this is not a prolonged multi-week jet lag. This That's is right. still same jet lag, just for continuity's sake. <laughs> yeah. yeah <exactly. laughs> so um, for people who are like, Allison, are you are you okay? Like, this is an awfully long excuse, Allison. <laughs> yeah. You can't keep using that. <laughs> it's been a month. If I have to give a number, then really probably two or so. I don't even think I gave a number in the last episode, to be honest with you. So, But I'm not going to add a number just to shame myself <laughs> for it. I think I'm really probably about a two- I feel like I'm able to um, look objectively at how I'm feeling and work through that, which is always a good sign to me that I'm under a five because it seems like when I get over <laughs> a five, it's very much like overwhelm takes me for a ride as opposed to me dealing with overwhelm. So yeah, I'm happy to be on the right side of that border. Uh, <laughs> so Perfect. that's kind of where I'm at. Nice. All right. Where do we dive in to our... Piles of shame and clutter and closets. Yeah. So I guess the first thing to mention is that there are some episodes where we've touched upon this a little bit before. I'm actually, IAA 31 is about clutter. And I think we got into this, we had a little bit of a tangent on this. And and I think we literally said we ought to do an episode on closets at some point. And here we we are on IAA 45, (laughs) 14 episodes later, the dream comes to fruition. Probably also talk a little bit about some of the things we're going to talk about in IIA 17 um, on procrastination. But I think kind of as per usual, we'll probably take us in some directions we are yet unaware of. So mm-hmm. I guess, first of all, is there a place that you wanted to start with this? Because I think there are probably a few more things. I mean, you I know you have some issues around like the, the whole demon thing in the closet. A few other things <laughs> going on with the closet thing that probably make this episode a little bit more Allison applicable, but I think, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely be heavily involved with it too. But is there a place that you wanted to start the discussion? Okay. Let's just get the demon thing out okay. of the way. That's a good right? idea. So I low key believe in demons and ghosts. It's not a big thing, but it's a, you know, it's a thing. A like I think polter, I think poltergeists can be real. And I've watched a lot of horror movies in my day, and normally I get like a real kick out of them and like think they're fun. But for some reason, that was like great timing because like something just like made a noise over there, and my dog looked. I'm gonna go with dog. Yeah, dog, not poltergeist. But but (laughs) yeah, but just as I was talking about poltergeist, there was like a sound. I'm like, (gasps) anyway. There's a couple things in horror movies that have always been sort of like my trigger of, oh, this is fun to like, oh, this is actually scary. And those are mirrors and closets. So like whenever there's a scene with a mirror, I'm like, I can't, 
I can't watch this. I know the demon's going to be in the mirror, but I don't want to see the demon in the mirror. And before we fixed up our bathroom, I used to have to go way into the bathroom past the mirror to turn on the light. And it was always so scary. Like I would close my eyes and then like try to reach for it and touch it. And then, then I could open my eyes. So yeah, I have a thing about mirrors in the dark and I also don't like closets in the dark. If they're partially open, it's an issue for me. They The doors have to be closed because I'm just afraid they're going to like creak open or like the fact You're that they're open. Will, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like closet doors don't scare me as long as they're closed at night. But if they're open and that goes for all kinds of closets as well. Like we had like a wardrobe from Ikea that was not like its own room. You know, it was just like a wardrobe, but the doors had to be slid closed. It, it was a thing. So there's a, my slight phobia about closets, which is definitely sparked okay. by watching a few too many horror movies than is good for a child at a certain developmental level because this was something I really did as a child <laughs> because I was super cool. Yeah, naturally. That's that's what I was going to say. I mean, firstly, I think the the opening quote there is what steals my heart, which is, I low-key believe in demons. And quite honestly, I'm not here to shame you for that because I'm still figuring out what I believe in because I think the moment we get into like certainty, like I, I told you before, I don't speak in definites and in certainty because... I've humbled myself enough times to understand that I'm still figuring everything out and I'm not going to hop on a, a recorded podcast and publicly say, this is the way things are. This is the way things aren't. I think I'm willing to listen to anything. And I also understand that everyone has their own superstitions and things going on. I can understand why yeah. one thing like that. I mean, of all the things that might freak you out, I don't think it's totally unreasonable. Yeah. I should also know I'm not actually religious per se. Like I'm agnostic. I'm agnostic veering a little more towards the side of atheism. It's more about believing in spiritual energy that doesn't leave the planet than like this is a thing sent from hell. I don't really believe gotcha. in the heaven hell binary. It's more like energy that gets trapped in the earth plane that then lives in my closet. Okay. <laughs> I felt that was important to note. I'm anxious about energy trapped on this earth. I'm anxious about the heaven-hell binary. binary. I'm anxious about <laughs> a lot of different things. So I'm going to go ahead and mention that I'm not quite anxious about any of those things. My issues, like my anxiety around closets tend to be more practical, the anxiety that I feel. <laughs> How dare you, Chris? Jeez. I, hey, you, you interpret that as you wish. Avoiding I, demons is an everyday thing. It's very it's, practical. That, fair enough. It is That is a practical objective. But I guess I will say that for me, really, the closet is the place that whenever I've had a closet, which I guess would be most of my existence, I've always kind of just put things in there that I didn't want out. So I got this like sort of ADHD <laughs> urge that I'm like, well, whatever I do with this, this can't be out. This needs to be put away somewhere. And so it's this quick moment that I think growing up, I probably just, it was like literally like almost like blacking out. I just like, oh, put it away. And then that's why I forgot where everything went. I'm a little bit more conscious <laughs> now of putting things away. Although certainly Brie would make the assertion that there are times when I can't find things. And I think that's part of it is I just put something away because I just don't want to contend with it anymore. The other issue that I have kind of around anxiety as far as it relates to the closet is really related to the items in it where I have something that sometimes I get... I feel this paralysis towards 
there's an item in the closet that I don't want to throw out, but can't think of any really good reason to keep. So like, I guess the best I can do, it's kind of like an email that you said snooze to every six months. You're just like, well, I'm never like, I don't know what I'm doing with this email, but like, I guess I wanted to keep coming back to me. And I think that's, you know, sometimes it's a memory or whatever, but I do worry like, you know, I kind of feel like people get storage, like storage, big, big time storage so that they can take the things from their closet Units, yeah. that they don't want to think about anymore and put it over there. So it's just like, well, I don't want to run into this for a while. So I'm just going to like, I want to get the further closet. And I think that's something we talked about yeah. in, the, in the episode before, but I don't really know how to contend with that because I, I have no idea, quite frankly, if this is related to ADHD, anxiety or whatever. But I find like I have a pretty intense nostalgia for some things, like a deep attachment to some items that I just, I don't want to get rid of, but I also don't know what to do with. And so in some ways that my closet for sure serves primarily as a place for clothes. Bree and I share one big closet in our apartment and it is functional, but busy, but we have a whole, like I have shoes underneath, <laughs> I have all kinds of stuff up below and under like it's quite packed in there but there are some things where i'm just like i reach this stalemate where i'm like i don't i want to respect how much i appreciate this one item but i don't know what to do with it because i'm so like you know what i mean that's part of my anxiety around the closet yeah. is like i don't want to have to make decisions based on these items and so you hit the procrastination button and put it into the closet and ultimately, there's a certain element of the closet where if you're opening up the closet, you may have to unpress the procrastination button. And that causes a little bit of anxiety, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like a purgatory that you visit every day to continue the heaven-hell binary. So you believe in purgatory. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But anyway, no. <laughs> I agree. I think closets can definitely be this place where we put things, it's like a mental trash can, right? We don't really <laughs> want to deal with it. So we just like, we just put it in there and then it's like out of sight, out of mind, yeah. something I'll deal with later. I don't really know what to do with this. Famous and last usually, words. Yeah. Usually there's a reason for that. There's something behind the anxiety, right? It's not just like a, oh, I don't know what to do with this. It's like, I don't know what to do with this because I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to be a fantastic painter or something like that. Or like, I don't know what to do with this because I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to try to lose 10 pounds and get back in better shape. You know what right. I mean? There's usually a decision that you're putting off with these purgatory items and right. it becomes easier to just delay, delay, delay. And for me, the closet is like a particularly fraught place, demons aside, <laughs> my own inner demons as someone who <laughs> has recovered from an eating disorder. I definitely have a bit of a difficult relationship with my clothing. I should note that I've done a lot of work on all of that stuff. And I think I've recovered pretty much as well as a person can recover from something like that. But bodies fluctuate. And I'm lucky that I don't have to put so much emphasis on the way that I eat and exercise in order to sort of maintain a one size per se. But there are times over, you know, over the years where like I've been more active or less active, things fit 
better or less better at worse would be the word I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> yay, English. <laughs> yay, English degree. Thank you there. Quarter of a million dollars. Well spent. Thank you, NYU, for not teaching me worse. <laughs> So <laughs> now I'm anxious talk, talk about, about my cleaning English your closets. Right? Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, the clothing thing can be an issue because I'll have a day where maybe I tried on something and it fit tighter than I was comfortable with. And I should also note that I, like many people with anxiety, have sensory issues where I'm extra sensitive. Like my parents always had to cut tags out of things. And because like if I would have a tag on something, I'd just be like, I don't know if that's anxiety, ADHD or both. I need to chime in just because for sure, this is something I grew up with. For example, in the morning, my mom would have to bring out five different pairs of socks because I had a thing about the way socks felt. And we would often you know, I'd often be late for school simply because I couldn't find the right pair of socks. And I think that my mom, probably based on the sheer rambunctious nature of my person um, at that time, was starting to talk to other parents who had kids with ADHD or learning, you know, from about more about kids with ADHD and some of the commonalities there. And I think I remember her telling me later in life, you know, that that was something that was really common. Some of the other parents mm-hmm. she talked to were always talking about their sons or daughters with ADHD. They're very conscious of how things felt. And yeah. I don't know how that relates to anxiety per se, but my understanding is it's something very common for, with ADHD. So, yeah. 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 For me, I have that very much. So there's certain fabrics that I can't wear. Anything with wool, it makes me want to rip off my skin and donate it and just be like, <laughs> I don't need this anymore. You can have this skin. It's broken. But that means that when my weight (laughs) fluctuates, even just a tiny bit, anything that was like borderline on the edge can suddenly become really physically uncomfortable to me in a way that like someone who doesn't have such a a sensitiveness to sensations might be more like, ah, this is a little tight, but whatever. It looks good. I'll I'll wear it. I like this. I will just be like, this is a non-item now, you know, like this is not something, this is not a safe item. This is something that's too tight for me. This is something I can't wear anymore. And so it kind of gets like shunted to a certain part of my closet. But in reality, my weight does like fluctuate within a certain thing, but what based on, you know, like if I'm drinking alcohol or not, if I'm getting a little more exercise, eating more sugar or not. And just general, I think women's weight fluctuates quite a bit, especially like around hormonal cycles and whatever. There's a lot of things. And so something that I may have assumed was just completely out of reach for me and like I should just never touch it again. I'll try it on once when I'm feeling particularly brave. I'm like, oh, this actually fits fine and I can wear this again. Mm -hmm. And I actually had this experience when I was recently packing up my closet to leave Bulgaria And it was like, I finally had to deal with all of the items that I assumed I was too fat to fit into. And I was putting them on and like realizing that a lot of them were like, they were fine. They were okay. And so I had just Mm. been procrastinating on this for like a really long time because I was so afraid that if I tried them on and they didn't fit, I was going to feel bad about myself. So I kept just wearing the same 15 things that I knew fit 
that were loose and comfy and because, you know, I wasn't really seeing people are going outside besides to walk the dog. So like all fashion went out the window for me. And so I would just kind of reach for the same couple things. And then when it came time to be like, okay, do I want to lug these across the ocean with me or not? There were things where I was just, I assumed they wouldn't work, but they were actually fine. And it was just my anxiety. It was keeping me away from trying them on again because I just didn't want to deal with the expected emotional fallout of them not fitting, but then they ended up being fine. So I don't know, just a little aside. Yeah. I don't know how relevant that will be for a lot of people, but I think women have a little more baggage with their closet. Yeah, simply because we have more socialized baggage with our bodies and also just women's fashion is more you know, it changes more. There's more expectation on women to keep up with fashion and to kind of be trendy and, you know, things are in and out and whatnot. And so I think women experience like also another side of that would be sort of like spending more money on your clothing in general, I think, and feeling maybe shame about things that are no longer in style or like feeling wasteful about things that you've bought because you're kind of socialized to buy into specific trends. And for me, that's something that I also struggle with is feeling like frivolous, but also sort of like expected to kind of keep up the shopping habit. And that's another area where like my closet can make me feel like embarrassed about my relationship with money and spending. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. I would agree with you 100%. You know, for example, there are very clear linear paths for me to dress up. You know what I mean? It's just like, I guess Mm -hmm. I'll wear that, you know, slightly tighter pair of um, khakis and a dress shirt. And if I want to really bring that up a level, I will, um, you know, put on a nice pair of shoes and a jacket. It's just like, there's only a certain amount of ways that I can it's more objective. Right. And I think Brie faces that too. There's just so many different options and so many, like she's forced to question herself more. Like, is this appropriate for this occasion? Is this nice enough? Is this not nice enough? Do I look? So my closet for me, it's not really the clothes themselves that make me like, well, you know, and sometimes I feel like I have a lot of clothes and I'll just, you know, donate them and things like that, but it's not overly complicated. I mean, I think also it helps that I spent a significantly lower amount of money on the items themselves. So I don't think I guess perhaps I don't care as much if like something, I don't know, not necessarily doesn't fit, but like if I have to get rid of it, it, it's not as soul crushing for me. I didn't put as many expectations Mm -hmm. on that item in the the first place. And I I guess I just think like in general, just as a man, like they're just, I don't need the the repertoire of clothing. You know what I mean? For the most part, I can just put on this, that or the other and it kind of works. Or maybe I just don't give a shit. I, I can't really tell to be honest with you, but I think I've always strived for just enough, you know, I think to look good. I think this is a totally random aside, but I think living in Europe certainly helped. When you're in North America, you just end up going like a size down because if you wore wore that in Europe, you'd be like wearing the baggiest clothes ever. But then the, the alternate's true. When I came back from Turkey, I remember I went out for dinner with a good friend of mine and she's like, are you really wearing pants that tight now? Is that a thing after Turkey? I was like, I guess. Yes, I guess it is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we'd had a few drinks, but um, I, like, I was laughing at that point too. <laughs> anyway, I, I think, you know, it, it wouldn't be an I'm Anxious About episode without a metaphor, right? So like, I'm not going to let that happen. I can't go through the full episode without a metaphor. So no, you are physically incapable of it. 
I think all all things physically, mentally, in purgatory, hell, heaven, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, (laughs) incapable, near demons, under demons, wherever. I think it's. Oh, not under demons. No. No. No, Okay. Never mind. Sorry. Okay. Well, I take that back (laughs) 100%, especially if there's anything in this room listening carefully. Anywho, I think about (laughs) the closet metaphor I'm thinking of really is just sometimes we have guests over to our place. Well, we used to at least, but you have, <laughs> sometimes you have guests over to your place and you're like, okay, well, there's shit everywhere. I'm going to put everything away in this closet and people come into your place and they're like, have a great night. And then they have no idea that like bursting at the seams was all this crap, you know, and you're like, oh yes, it's a good thing. I always live in this very clean, tidy place. And I kind of was laughing, thinking about that in the same way of having anxiety in general. You know, you're out in public, uh, you're out doing your thing. You, I don't know, maybe you go to the corner store to buy something and you kind of feel like it's the same thing you know on the surface everything looks all right but you're like this person has no idea the amount of baggage i have going on with the anxiety and all kinds of stuff i kind of was laughing that that to me that's the same thing as that closet you know where it's just like that closet bursting the seams where you're like stay closed and quite frankly i think please don't open this door thinking it's a bathroom (laughs) yeah but you know like i think particularly throughout like recording this podcast i've become a lot more comfortable with all the strange idiosyncrasies that um, make myself who I am. And I think I've said this before on the podcast, but the way I always think about it is that I I wouldn't wish my brain on anybody, but I also probably wouldn't trade it for the world. I've gotten used to it. And sometimes it's a struggle, but a lot of the times it's just how I know the world, right? It's like, it's Mm -hmm. my compass, which sometimes feels broken, but often gets me where I need to go. And I was just kind of laughing at that too. The notion that like sometimes we cross somebody on the street and we have no idea how packed that mental closet is. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) We just get to see the clean living room, right? Uh, For the most part. And it's just kind of funny. It was really the only reasonable way I can think of bringing a metaphor to this episode. So I'm going to kindly request that you embrace it. I do embrace it. I think everyone has had that moment where it's just like you shove everything into a place, whether it's because people are coming over or or it's just because you've reached a certain level of stress where your clutter is stressing you out, but you're also too stressed to actually declutter in any meaningful way with making use or organizing the objects. And you just kind of shove it all in. So I think that it's a very relatable metaphor. Something that I want to talk about, I think, is the idea, and we've been meaning to tackle, I'm anxious about organization at some point. Mm -hmm. So we'll give you a little preview, I suppose, of uh, tackling that. I think for me, the closet is a location where all of my perfectionist ideas of being an organized individual go to die. And (laughs) it's like, I have sort of, I think this is another thing that's very common with women is we have these sort of like vision boards on, you know, Pinterest or whatnot of these like perfectly organized, beautiful, serene closets where Mm -hmm. you have this like capsule collection of you know, high quality, but, you know, exquisitely curated clothing, which you just- Color-coded. 
Yeah, which you just select, you know, the shade of taupe that you're going to wear that day and, yeah. and match it with this. And then maybe you put on a scarf to liven it up. And there's sort of this weird cult of minimalism that women have been asked to embrace while also still like buying a lot of shit, which mm-hmm. is just like, okay, that doesn't make sense. But I feel like almost like (laughs) I was listening to a podcast on Unfuck Your Brain about this called Maximalism, and it was sort of like uh, interrogating the idea of minimalism. And so some of the ideas, I'm probably just rehashing uh, her words, but I think, you know, we've been told that we should be minimalistic and purposeful in our selections of everything that goes into our closet And in a way, it's very representative of all the pressures that are placed on women to be budget conscious, you know, the sort of the the keepers of the the wallet and to sort of be, you know, smart with your purchases and not be excessive and, you know, to choose clothing that's sensible, that isn't, you know, too rambunctious or too revealing or too this or too that. And, um, you know, you shouldn't have too many clothes because that's hedonistic, you know? So you should really just have this, like this perfect little minimalist wardrobe and then you're a pure being. And there's like a morality attached to this minimalism that we've been Mm -hmm. asked to buy into. And so, I think I kind of rebel against that notion, but also still buy into it. And it's like, well, no, I'm not someone who is going to wear slacks and like five different shades of taupe. I want this dress and I want this thing and I want this, but then I don't want to organize it and have it be accessible because at the same time, my brain is still feeling like I don't really deserve all these things. So it's like they don't even deserve a nice place. They just all live in a heap on the floor sometimes, you know? So I don't know. There's sort of a weird thing about deserving and showcasing and where things should be and how much space you give them in your closet. And I usually just end up just putting a bunch of stuff on the floor because I'm just like too – there's too much like wrapped up in it. This is actually becoming a very heavy episode. But there's yeah, too much like I know. wrapped it's up. It's a good in, thing we went light. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, we covered demons, eating disorders, patriarchy. Um, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> but it's definitely something that's a challenge for me is sort of knowing where's the balance of having a closet that doesn't stress me out, but isn't restrictive or like overly minimalistic in a way of denying myself the things that I like and look pretty. I'm a kind of like a little bird who likes to collect like pretty objects and stuff that make me really happy. But like at the same time, I get stressed out by clutter. And so it's kind of like navigating this thing Mm -hmm. where I just end up getting paralyzed into inaction and then it all just ends up in a floor and it's not pretty. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a common thread with anxiety, right? Is like, you think for a long time creating arguments for both sides of whatever you're contending with. And if it doesn't reach ahead, you ultimately end up in this state of you're halted, right? And then you're like, whatever would have been beneficial, the pros of both sides are just outweighed by the cons of inaction. And you're just like, okay, well, I guess this will all just sit here. And I guess probably no easier understand metaphor than the pile of clothes on the floor, right? You're just like, I can't do this. And yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's certain pressures we face as just human beings that are 
ascribed to us, whether we like it or not. I mean, this is the third episode that we've recorded on video. And there's a reason that we have worn different things three times in a row, right? Because it's like, you don't want to be the person who's wearing the same thing on three separate occasions. And I think that's just something we can contend with. So I think it really is about finding that good balance for you. I mean, I know I do get excited about collecting things too. Like if I see like a, I bought like a rain jacket that I, in like November that I'm excited to wear. And I don't know, I think there's, there's a real value in collecting items that you care about that make you feel a certain way. As long as, you know, the items you buy aren't like paper towel, they're going to be discarded, you know, like they're more like a, something you can reuse, you know, and something that will continue to bring you joy, I think. And I have no problem with that. There's a strange like fetish, like fetishes. How would I say this? Fetishization? Fetishize? Yeah, I think we'll, fetishization. We'll go okay, we'll go with fetishization, fetishize. which is probably a word I'd prefer to yep. never say again, if at all possible. But <laughs> there is this sort of the way that we like celebrate both sides of that coin, right? It's just like collect everything because things mean the world, and then it's just like the other side of it's like all you need is you, you know. And there's like all these travelers who are like. I've worn the same pair of socks for five years. And you're like, all right, well, maybe calm down with that a little bit. There isn't a lot of in-between, <laughs> right? invited. Yeah, there isn't a lot of in-between where someone's like, I've actually found yeah. the ideal amount of things that I want. And both sides can quiet down a little bit. But you're right that there's something about the closet in the sense that it's, it's a huge representation of your identity that I think that that's why there's some anxiety around it, right? Uh, when I open mm-hmm. up my closet and look at the clothes in that closet, I have a whole bunch of memories of wearing those clothes and things like that. But ultimately, these are the statements that I've chose to make to communicate my inner character to the outside world. You know, like that I'm, I like to work crazy stuff sometimes. I like to be quirky. I like to be, you know, sometimes I like to work colorful stuff, even though, again, for people who can't see, that's fine. But I'm wearing an awfully drab gray right now. But stylish, stylish gray, I will say. We both are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we both are. We're, we're wearing the same color unplanned. Anyways, we'll get these onto YouTube at some point. It just depends how much we procrastinate. But anyways, that's for another day. Anytime we're contending with something, it might seem totally benign. Like it might seem like we're just talking about a, a space, but anytime that space is filled with items which are intimately associated with your identity and who you are, it's going to be complicated, especially when Mm -hmm. all of those items, if it was just that would be fine. But let's be honest, it's not just that it's the shit you put above it, below it, around it, so you can't quite get to it. There's bags, there's like, there's everything in there. It is a real smorgasbord. And so you have all those things to kind of contend with. And I'm not necessarily sure I thought about that until we recorded this episode. I mean, I know there was one shirt that I wore all the time when I was went on my first big backpacking trip when I was a young lad. And um, it just got to the point of like, at this point in time, I was using like skin searing acne creams to contend with my pimples. And I think eventually that got onto this shirt, which was a polite teal. And uh, it was just game over. Like there was just splotches everywhere. And like I remember being legitimately crestfallen by that to the point where I was still dating Brie at that time because we'd been together apparently since birth. And I remember she was like, well, why don't you make it into like a pillowcase to put on a pillow? And I was just like, no, if it's not a shirt anymore, like, uh, you know, I want to be able to wear it. Like, and it was like, you know, I remember it was kind of a big deal. And I think there is an element of that, which we have to think about as it relates to the closet. It's not just the space that we're looking at. It's what we typically fill the space 
with, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I too have felt the sting of some, you know, clothing item that you love just no longer working. And it can be a devastating feeling. I remember once I was in Oaxaca and I spilled mole or like some sort of intensely chilly hued thing on I believe it was like a brand new dress that I had just bought and fallen in love with and I was like even though we were like 20 minutes from where we were staying I was like we need to go back I need to hand wash this now it was non-negotiable because I think we do get really attached to our clothing because in a way it's our billboard to the world about who we are it's our armor Mm. like against literally being naked but it's also like our armor against people kind of judging us or making assumptions about us it's what we put quite literally as a barrier between us and other people to make a statement about the kind of people that we are and then there's also you know the transactional aspect of it, of it having money tied to it and whatnot and how much use you've gotten out of it. And there's some sort of morality wrapped up in that. If you're someone who is like very frugal, I hate the idea like that I've wasted something on the first use or whatnot, that I didn't use something to its maximum potential. Another thing that I hate when going through my closet is realizing things I've never worn or only worn once. I think that's a lot more common with women because, you know, we tend to maybe try to fit into a trend that actually was not designed for a body with hips and features, but was like designed for, you know, some <laughs> beautifully cheeked bone cyborg from a country whose name you've never heard of walking down a runway, but you feel compelled to buy it anyway. And then so it just kind of hangs in your shelf. It's like, why aren't I a beautiful cheekbone cyborg? I wish I was. Why do I have shoulders? Who needs shoulders? This dress would look great if I didn't have shoulders. I have a couple pieces of clothing in my closet like that, that were like, if only I was this person with no human features. (laughs) <laughs> alas oh to be human <laughs> what an existence we, we have us normal humans the non-cyborg population it is a tough ride yes. for us very tough very tough all right i don't know if i have any more dirty laundry to air on this no i was just about to say i think it's probably time we close this closet i was trying to think about prior to the episode if there was any real tips that I had related to closets. And I think there are some like strangely obvious tips where it's like, you know, take everything out, put everything back in. And I don't know if the tip that I would offer would be something absurdly practical, like how to clean out your closet or more just, you know, hoping that some of what we talked about offers some insight into why we're anxious about closets in the first place. I kind of find that I let things build up to a certain height where I know that it's something I need to deal with. And I know personally that, and I've talked about this before, how like if it's on a weekday, I'm going to feel a lot of pressure about getting it done and it's going to feel like an added stress. But if I plan it for like a Saturday morning and I'm listening to music or I'm listening to podcasts, catching up on podcasts or whatever, then I can do those tasks with a lot more ease. So, I mean, what would work for me, I know already is if I'm going to do a big clean of my closet or something like that, I would plan it for like a Saturday morning, wait, choose a podcast that I really want to listen to. And then I would also tether it to a goal that was worthy, like taking 
five items of clothing to donate to a shelter or something like that. So that there's like, it's not just the like, there's like a selfish and a selfless narrative there to add to that motivation. But you know, that's, that's really all I can think about as far as, as tips are concerned. I quite frankly, don't have a big enough closet to even know what I would do with a walk-in closet. You know, it's just kind of a bit of a mess and we do the best that we can with the, you know, where we're at. And at the same time, I do try and have some order there because I know I do have a propensity to take something off a hanger and then put it back into a basket. And then I expect that like almost like there'll, there'll be clothing evaporation where like it will rise onto the hanger again. <laughs> yeah. I need to be like a little bit weary of that. And and then of course, there's what we've talked about before in the clutter episode where sometimes those like physical cues of seeing things on the ground and so forth can be really like an instigator for other anxiety. So I try to avoid that. But in some ways, this episode was a bit exploratory for me. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like for me and um, working through, I guess, my own closet demons. But it's funny though, because it seems like particularly now after we've done like 45 episodes or so, there really isn't a topic that doesn't have some sort of underlying deeper narrative as it relates to anxiety, which I think is probably just a sign that there's a ubiquitous nature to anxiety where it kind of touches us in all regards. There really isn't some zone where it's like, we're going to come across a topic and then it's going to be like, you know what? Like nothing, you know, there's nothing there for me. I'm not anxious at all. So anyways, it's interesting. I don't know if you Maybe perhaps you have some more concrete tips in that regard, but I don't. Yeah, mine aren't so concrete because I don't want to be prescriptive. You Fair know enough. what I mean? Like, yeah, I think I everyone has a different relationship to their objects. And so it's not really my place to be like, this is how you should structure your objects. Because at the end of the day, that's what a closet is it's a room or a wardrobe to place objects in. And so I think trying to make it an objective place rather than a subjective place and just realize it isn't, you know, your necessarily the place where you go for like your shame greatest hits or, you know, like (laughs) it's, sorry, my dog is having a very loud puppy dream behind me. It's very cute but I don't know if the microphone picked that up. No, I heard one one small rough, but <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> it was very cute. It doesn't have to be anything other than a room where you put your things. And so I would just suggest that you figure out what gives you the most pleasure and avoids the most pain and just kind of stick with that. And whether that's having a tightly packed closet full of like all your most treasured and delightful things, then by all means do that. And if it means, you know, having your carefully curated minimalistic wardrobe and that truly like makes you happy and just like streamlines like stress in your life of like having to pick out a particular outfit, that's awesome. I can't tell you how to relate to your clothes and objects and what you put on your body. That's like, that's your own closet to fill. I would just say though, one thing I have found helpful is just incorporating like a five minute tidy into my day. And so rather than trying to constantly keep up with uh, putting things away as soon as I take them off the hanger or whatnot, I will just kind of like tack on five minutes to different tasks. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make lunch. Mm -hmm. 
But before I make lunch, I'm going to spend five minutes tidying up this area. And it usually involves putting things into a closet at some point. So it is kind of related. But I find that just rather than trying to deal with your closet and like one big emotional day, just chipping away at it bit by bit is the strategy I choose. Yeah, mostly to minimize my demon exposure. (laughs) It's actually funny because after we finish recording this, I think I actually am going to go fill up my closet because I have a completely empty closet for the first time ever. My mom took a bunch of stuff out of it and now it's like completely empty and I have all these luggages that plural did not compute for me for some reason. So uh, I have all these pieces of luggage. I think that's why, because you normally say pieces of luggage. I have all these pieces of luggage I need to unpack and hang up and stuff. And I've been avoiding it, but I think I should probably just take this as uh, my sign from the universe, AKA myself to just freaking do it. That sounds like a very appropriate next step and task uh, after this episode. You'll probably get a lot of gratification from it, actually, because of all that we've Mm -hmm. assigned to that action. But of course, you can't pat yourself on the back for something you haven't done yet. True. But you can pat yourself on the back for something you... I guess you could, really, if you you, quite frankly... I mean, we make and change (laughs) the rules at will. But... Is there something that you're patting yourself on the back for even in, I guess we recorded two days ago. So something in the last two days you're patting yourself on the back for, again, for any new mm-hmm. listeners here, we always finish our episode by patting, uh, doing a little patting on the back for something that we did since our last recording. And we also encourage you guys to pause or at least think about something you'd like to pat yourself on the back for so we can all gleefully head off into the sunset. arm in arm and smiles on our faces. So that was really just for me to buy you time, Allison. No, I actually had my thing, but I I do have one thing I want to say, and it's not me procrastinating actually. Okay. But I think the reason why we do this is because as anxiety havers, we tend to self-flagellate a lot and just like constantly, you know, review all of our failings. And so this started as a place to for us to brag about our projects at the beginning and like be like, where can you find me? Like, here's something I'm doing on my website. It definitely changed over the course of recording to be like looking at the past week and trying to switch that negativity bias towards a positivity bias and try to find some of the positivity that we've been able to cultivate over the past week and not just like go down another rabbit hole of our shittiness. Yeah. Which is what the anxiety brain loves to do. So anyway, on that note, I have been on a total roll with my poetry and I wrote two more poems in the last two days and I sent one over to my friend who I workshop things with and she was like, this is the greatest thing you've ever written. Like you should aim high with this one. So I submitted to... Three more literary magazines, not that poem as well as like a couple others that I liked. You can usually submit between like four and six poems simultaneously. So I submitted to a lot of things that like feel totally out of my league and likely are, but the point isn't even necessarily to achieve publication. That would be cool. The point is getting out of the shame closet of believing my poetry doesn't deserve to be read by people. So I'm just happy that I'm continuing with this because poetry is something that I've always loved. 
but I found it hard to be persistent and consistent with. It's something that can really easily feel frivolous or like a waste of time or embarrassing in some way because it's such a private kind of art form. And so it's something I've never really shared with the world. So this has been kind of like a fun little foray into kind of a new stage of my life being like, yeah, you know what? I'm proud of what I'm doing. And I think honestly, doing this podcast and being able to be vulnerable on here has definitely given me a lot of freedom to feel like I can be vulnerable in other places as well. I think it's kind of lifted the veil of me needing to present a certain persona. And so I can be like, yeah, I write poems and my poems are like kind of fucking weird and I use some weird ass images and that's fine. And you might be slightly confused or disturbed or perturbed or whatever, but this is like what I wrote. This is what came out of my brain and I'm proud of it. This is it. And so I've just been really happy with that. And I'm sure inspiration comes in fits and spurts. And so I know that I can't really ride this wave forever, but I'm just happy that I am in a period of being prolific and proactive as well. So yeah, that's my thing. I like that. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. I will happily read some of that down the line, but good luck with that. I honestly... I think, you know, something I'm borderline obsessed with, right, is like this idea of focusing on process and not outcome. And I just Mm -hmm. love the idea that you're focused on writing poetry and submitting it, but not necessarily concerned about what you hear back to validate the process. So that's wonderful. I really like that. I guess as far as what I'm patting myself on the back for, again, I think probably a couple episodes in a row, I kind of feel like your backpacking thing. I just kind of just want to sit here and celebrate you for a second, but I don't have anything specific really other than just, I think I've taken on a lot of steps, again, partially through this podcast of being comfortable with the idea that I'm far from perfect and that's okay. And I think part of that is, has lended itself to like, I'm trying a bunch of new things right now that are really, I know I'm putting myself out there and going to be putting myself out there. And my first tendency is to hear all the people in back rooms that don't exist because no one can actually meet up talking shit about me and how this won't work and all this, that, and the other. And I realize I don't really give a shit like I used to. I think it's like harnessing this kind of like fuck it mentality where I'm not obsessed with the the idea of failure being final anymore, really. I think I've come to the idea mm-hmm. that failure is for one is subjective, but also like if something doesn't work, that's not the end of the road, right? Like it's not the period in the sentence. And I think... The reason I mentioned this now is because there's one thing that I'm working on in particular that I've made a lot of headway on in the last two days. And it doesn't matter what it is really for, for the listeners right now, because it's something related to the realm of, you'll know if I was talking to you about it, but it's just something I'm trying to working on. And, and um, I think there was probably a period of my life where I was kind of like, I don't really care. Like I'm just doing my thing and whatever, but I did um, still care. And, you know, there's no question I still do care what people think about me because I'm just not at that place yet. I guess I just haven't, you know, I haven't meditated in uh, floating tanks quite enough, Allison, (laughs) or at all ever. Yeah. I don't think we're ever successfully going to be able to not care what people think about us. I don't even think that's a desirable outcome because then we just, then we just become sociopaths. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. (laughs) But I guess uh, the main thing is that I think without kind of necessarily Knowing it, like I think I've just become more comfortable in the last couple of days with this, but whatever happens with this thing that I'm working on, 
I'm not going to drown in the initial reaction or outcome to whatever is going on. I'm just going to be like, this is something I've been working on with a few other people and something I'm excited about. And that's enough for me. And, um, and also coming to accept that, like, you know, I'm more than my projects, right? I mean, I think if you look back at like anybody who's ever done anything, um, and this is not like the great people of history, whatever, just literally anybody, you know, there's trials and tribulations, failures and successes, right? Like there isn't anybody who just, uh, continues to have it easy so i don't really give a shit i'm just i'm gonna go for things and take shots and just see whatever happens and you know it was a longer tangent than i wanted to go on but i think it's something i've been thinking about for a long time and i think i'm just sort of crystallizing it now that um i don't know i, I don't I, maybe i shouldn't be scared of failure right because that's probably where most of the learning happens anyway so that's kind mm -hmm. of where i'm yeah i'm getting to I think it probably there's, there's some actually overlap with some of what you were talking about with your poetry, where it's just kind of like, it comes to a certain point where you just going to start being a little bit more unapologetic, right? And just being like, I really don't give a shit. I think you talked about this a little bit in the last episode where it's like, however much I imagine people talking about this, that, and the other, and, you know, running their mouths with this, that, and the other, whatever, like most of that's just in my head. And nobody has been more abusive to me than I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So whatever, right? It's just like, I'm just going to move forward through it. And that's that. So I think that was a, a good amount of back padding. My wrist is starting to hurt. So I'm going to stop patting myself <laughs> on the back here. Yeah, don't give yourself carpal tunnel. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah, because like, that's the real deal. So I don't want to do that. But um, again, I really hope that uh, everyone was listening, that you take a moment to pat yourself on the back for something since you listened to the last episode. And maybe you haven't listened to an episode in like two months, so you have a lot of <laughs> a lot of, to work with. Yeah. But hopefully now you have eight things that you must be proud of. Go. <laughs> That's right. And also, I mean, like if you're feeling hungry for praise, like just listen to eight episodes in a row and just absolutely just check in, listen to the episode, back pat, and just leave the day feeling great. <laughs> That's kind of, I guess that's our, is that a marketing ploy in disguise? <laughs> listen to yeah. our entire catalog. Yeah. Well, Give us your soul, basically. Yeah, please. I'm really leaning into this demonology stuff today. I'm sorry. Maybe it's anticipating dealing with the closet for more than an hour. It's like, well, I'm opening the portal for a longer time than usual. So yes. You low-key believe know. in demons. So Low-key. In the show notes, that which we'll have on our site for this episode, one of the key takeaways is Allison low-key believes in demons. <laughs> <laughs> let us know if you low-key believe in demons too i'm actually curious because i think i'm a weirdo and so you know like that. i don't know if you watch the show Shit's creek but like there's some one like little lines that i think they end up becoming larger and funnier than they ever should have been such mm -hmm. as again if you don't watch the show you're gonna be like chris please shut up and on the episode but there's a part where Moira and David are like cooking together and she's reading instructions and she's like and then you fold in the cheese and david's like fold in the cheese what the hell does that mean she's like you just fold it in you know and like and it becomes this big large life thing where it ends up being hilarious and now this slogan fold in the cheese has um chased around this show in a funny way and i think you know i low-key believe in demons might be our fold in the cheese i don't know i don't know nice i, I don't know i haven't watched it's creek yet because it wasn't available on european netflix but now that i'm back in land of no vpns i intend to fully give it a whirl i hear it is your country's greatest export besides hockey and cheese curds that's right and yeah in that order well done i'm very proud of you <laughs> and don't forget maple syrup too but they're no vermont 
sorry. Well, this is this is a huge this argument for. This is the for, end of our podcast. This is the end of everything. Um, I am low key going to begin to hate you. No, but I I think uh, what I will tell you, and this is just for for listeners too. The first six episodes are going to make you question why is it that Chris and or other people are in love with this show, and then the rest of the six seasons will tell you why. So get past okay. the first six episodes. Anyways, cool. we have gotten uh, far away from closets, so I think we ought to finish it. I hope everyone enjoyed being on this ride with us that we thought was going to be a terrifically short episode and will end up being our longest episode probably in two months. So there you go. <laughs> it's not so bad. We no, weren't not, not so bad at all. Off the rails. It was no I'm anxious about the news with Brian Patel. No, not there was the no two-hour <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> that episode, I still sometimes will throw in the background. I think we had a, we had a good dialogue for that one. Yeah. I can't remember. But can't like, remember. how can you be anxious about the news for less than two hours? Even if you aren't as verbose as we are, it's literally not possible. It's the worst thing in the world. It's true. I mean, I think that was that was applicable. Whether or not one should speak for an hour and ten minutes about closets is up for debate. But if one should speak about <laughs> two hours about the news, I think that's fine. Well, I enjoyed this one at least, and uh, I will just offer a big thank you for everyone for tuning in again this week. We'll be back the next Thursday to continue to fill your ears with all kinds of stuff. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. As long as I don't get swallowed by a closet demon, I will see you next week. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Deal. Bye.